I'm not the one in charge of those things. Um, I mean, I know diapers and wipes are always a thing. Yeah, that's, I mean, we pretty much have everything already from Amelia, you know, the stuff she's grown out of, like clothes and all that, uh, toys, I don't know, maybe teethers, I have no idea. Diapers and wipes, though, we go through those very quickly. I know it's not very exciting to get those things, oh, except for it saves you a lot of money. Well, yeah, it's it's one of those things It's like, those are the things that we're buying most of all the time. So, so where do you usually get them? Maybe if we just get you a gift card um, for everybody? I don't order them either. <laughs> um I guess, yeah, the Walmart ones, those, uh, Jessie's particular about what she uses, Um, but Walmart, Walmart does have the ones that she, one of them that she buys. So So if if you're going to do that, just tell me if you think it's good. If we cool our monies and get you a good card from Walmart to be able to get diapers and wipes and whatever else you need. Would that be a good? I mean, we would accept it. Honestly, I, I would just put it into tithing. We're, we're okay. <laughs> and I'm not being too prideful. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we'd, we'd use a Walmart gift card. <laughs> right. Right. Well, yeah, just, uh, just the, uh, yeah, the... The white. Still pray for us. Good morning. Good to be here this morning on this snowy day. It just kind of puts uh, kind of a little bit of perspective or ambiance on the Christmas holiday coming up. I love seeing the snow come down. It's just a wonderful thing that God created. I know it's not great to, to write on, but it's great to see anyways. Today I'm going to light our third candle. If you remember, we did um, the first two candles of Advent, which were the candle of hope and the candle of peace. And hopefully we have all of our candles cooperating today. So we have those at the right level. Um, today we're going to celebrate the, the candle of joy, um, and as our Savior uh, is coming and draws near, our joy builds with the anticipation of His birth. One thing I noticed and um, kind of learned last minute about the pink candle, this is the shepherd candle. This is a shepherd candle, candle. and the reason why it's pink is it's a, the rose color is traditional for the meaning of joy. It kind of goes along with the, the meaning of joy. So they made that candle um, pink. So this is the, the candle we are going to be lighting today. And our scripture, if you want to follow along, I've been going to be hopping around a little bit. So Isaiah 65, Isaiah 65 and verse 18 is our first one. It says, Then be glad and rejoice forever in what I'm creating. For I will create Jerusalem to be a joy and its people to be a delight. 
And then we're going to jump all the way back to Galatians. And most of you will recognize this passage. It's from Galatians 5, starting verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Um, now there is belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and uh, envying one another. And then jumping back to Matthew, Matthew 2, verses 10 and 11. It says, When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented them with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It's a beautiful story, and if you ever get a chance to study the background of those gifts and what their meaning is, it just puts all things into perspective. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll open with worship. Father, we just uh, thank you for today, Lord. We thank you for bringing us here safely. We thank you for everyone here that's present. Lord, we ask your uh, blessing upon um, our, our people, our congregation today. And Lord, we remember those, we have many that have sicknesses and illnesses and people in our church family that we're, we're concerned about and even our immediate families. Lord, I pray you draw near to them today. And Lord, just allow uh, your spirit to work. And Lord, we just know that you're the great healer. And Lord, I pray you touch those lives of those that are so many in our congregation that are not feeling well. And Lord, we just um, pray your blessing upon...
always move some of this because I don't want to knock it off. Because <laughs> I will. <laughs> Good to be with you today. Uh, some of you may be new, don't know who I am. I'm Mark Haney. Uh, if you can't tell by the accent, I'm from Georgia. And uh, that's okay. If I say something, I'm kind of like Jerry. He said one time that if it's something you don't understand that I said, see me afterwards, I'll try to explain it to you. Uh, we go through the drive through and try to order McDonald's or something, and they said, what would you say? <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's okay. It, it's uh, kind of like my mother-in-law who passed away just this last week. She... Uh, always says it's born in you so uh, it is born in me Uh, but anyway uh, i'm gonna continue the series that we started last week as the purpose for jesus coming Uh, we know initially that uh, jesus came to die pretty much uh, die for sin Uh, but that's not the only reason why he came last week we looked at uh, in Matthew's gospel, and I'll do a little recap here. And by the way, Tanner, thank you, and Tabitha, thank you for the music. Um, I led music for probably 10, 9, 10 years in Georgia, um, and uh, it is in my heart, in my blood. Uh, my mom, uh, she loved to sing. My grandmother loved to sing. My other grandmother, she played piano when she was three years old, and she couldn't even read a note. And they put Sears catalogs. Anybody know what a Sears catalog is? <laughs> they put Sears catalogs up on the piano bench so she could reach the keys. And she could play by ear when she was three years old. Uh, God had gifted her. Uh, she lived in a single-wide trailer uh, in Riverdale, Georgia. And you could tell when she was playing the piano because the whole trailer rocked. Uh, if anybody remember Lawrence Welk, uh, Joanne Castle, uh, she used to play the ragtime. And so she would bounce that piano, and that's the way Mama Haney was. She, she would just bounce that thing, and that whole trailer would rock back and forth. <laughs> you could tell when she was playing. But anyway, uh, thank you for the music. It sets the tone. We thank you. Uh, Matthew 5 and chapter, chapter 5 and verse 17, uh, we, this is last week's message for some who uh, were not with us. And if you're online with us again today, uh, and please make comments because we have a know that uh, you're watching and uh, that's important to us as well. But uh, Matthew in chapter 5 verse 17 is the first one of the first reasons why we see that Christ came and and you know we're not putting these in order as far as uh, prominence or as far as you know the significance because they're all significant the one today is very very significant to me uh, because and I'll tell you a little bit more about that in just a minute but last week we looked at uh, the first reason why that we see that one of the reasons why he came was to fulfill the law and the prophets so look at verse 17 in Matthew 5 do not think, and this is Jesus speaking, some of you had the red letter Bible. He said, do, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle, the smallest stroke, 
or even the hyphen, said, will not uh, by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Now listen to that. Till all is fulfilled. Not just some of it, but all of it. Okay. Uh, Jerry's teaching, and by the way, give you a plug, Jerry, here. Uh, Sunday school, he just says, started Zechariah. If you want to interpret scripture, you interpret scripture with scripture. And so as we look at uh, what uh, Zechariah is trying to tell as far as prophecy goes, and Jerry was making comments that, you know, when we start reading and studying in Zechariah, that in Zechariah you'll see that he is fast-forwarding all the way to the end of Revelation. Because we started looking at uh, the horsemen in Zechariah, and, and man, my mind immediately went to Revelation, the four horsemen. And so, you know, you see that in Old Testament prophecy, and even in some prophecy that Jesus gives, uh, and even Paul gives. But again, as we look at this, listen to what Jesus is saying. I didn't come to destroy it. I didn't come to abolish it. I came to fulfill it. And we looked last week that he did just that. And not only personally did he obey the law, and he, he needed to. Why? Because he was going to be that perfect sacrifice. But also with the law, it said that that perfect sacrifice couldn't have spot or blemish. So he fulfilled the law there too, because he, he did not sin. If you read Hebrews in chapter 4, it says that he uh, you know became sin for us because he had no sin in him, okay? And so the Bible's clear that he was the perfect son of God. He did fulfill what the law said. He obeyed it personally, but he also did it as a sacrifice as well. He had to, okay? But also we see that he expounded on it as well. He said, I say to you that if you, uh, you know, as far as, a, uh, you know, he had a, this Matthew 5, if you read 5, 6, and 7, it has to do with the Sermon on the Mount. But he expounded the law as well because he said, hey, if somebody asks you to go one mile, as the Roman soldier would do, he said, go with him two miles. If he asks for your uh, shirt, give him your coat too. I mean, you know, he expounded it. He said, hey, it's not just about, you know, the letter of the law, but also the spirit of the law. Why was it given? The Sabbath is another. As far as was the, you know, he Asked the Pharisees, he said, listen, he said, was the Sabbath made for man or man for the Sabbath? Because, the, you know, the Pharisees and the scribes, man, they was crawling this case because the disciples out there plucking grain and eating on the Sabbath, which is unlawful. But yet he let them said, well, hey, you know, God made man a day of rest. Anybody ever in here work seven days a week? I'll raise my hand. It'll make you old in a hurry. God knew what he was doing to give you a day of rest. He knew full well. Even your animals, okay? Because back in the day when you plowed with horse and mule, and I always wanted to learn how to do that. Uh, so, so I'm sure old-timer, if they was here, they would say, no, you don't. Because <laughs> if you get one that's obnoxious, he'd, he'd, you know, as soon as that dinner bell goes, he'd say, you better hold on to that plow because that, that mule knew exactly when that dinner bell came. So, But anyway, but Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish it. Man, I came to fulfill it, but hey, take it up a notch. And if you look on somebody with lust in your heart, you've committed the sin there. So he said, hey, 
It's about how God gave it. Why did he give it? It's for protection. You know, if, if you look at it, uh, the Ten Commandments, and this is the moral law, the Ten Commandments were given to, for protection. And you say, well, thou shalt not, and thou shalt not. So, well, it's negative, it's negative. No, look, look what it forms. All right, the first part of the Ten Commandments is toward God. The second part is toward mankind. What does it form? The cross. It does. God's relationship with mankind. He said, listen, you want to have the relationship that you are made for? Then these laws will help you. But here's the problem. Has anybody ever kept all of them? I used to talk to the Sunday school class with the kids and uh, Roberta, uh, the kids I had, they, they, they had, we had a lot of them that uh, they, they weren't church kids. <laughs> they, they weren't raised in church. And so I'd ask them about, you know, hey, did your mom or dad ever tell you, you said, well, I've made some cookies and don't touch them because they're for supper or something like that or a cake. And so you snuck in there and got one. And you thought you got away with it, Right. But God saw you, but therefore your protection, okay? They are. And God knows that, hey, if we would keep them, and I think I told you all about the uh, garden I had in one year that uh, the Lord told me to bypass. Was, you know, if you look in Old Testament, they said it was seven years, you know, let the land rest. And so, you know, I don't know how many years it had been, but I'd been gardening for a long time. And he said, Mark, I want you to lay it, you know, let it rest. I had volunteer com tomatoes come up. I, I mean, that's God thing. I, I, didn't, have any, I didn't do anything. <laughs> but he let tomatoes come up. But I'm just telling you, he will take care of you. But here's the problem. None of us keep it. We don't. That's born in us as well. The sinful nature from Adam and Eve all the way. Now we see why Christ had to come. Christ being the anointed one, the Messiah, okay? And now the second part that we're talking about, not only did he come, as he said, to fulfill the law and the prophets, but also to me, this is something that's dear to my heart. And by the way, before I forget, I brought this, I found it. <coughs> So, I, this this is uh, they it was uh, Westmont College. Uh, they did a survey with with uh, I think it was six hundred students, and these were mathematicians and scientists, and so they wanted to do the the law of probability of one person, one person on the planet who could fulfill all. Of the prophecies. This is 10 to the 156, I think it is, 156 uh, power. And that's if you fulfill 48. Okay? So that's 156 zeros behind a 10. That's one person now. Who could, who could fulfill, actually fulfill every single prophecy that was given in the Old Testament. All right, now, let's bring it down a notch. So what if it was just eight? If you could fulfill eight of the prophecies, okay? 
like, you know, the child will be born of a virgin. Uh, we, we talk about that. And by the way, tonight I'll be doing Advent over at Reach and give you an invitation there at 530. But, you know, in the prophecies, and uh, Mark, we do a prophecy candle. You do, you do the prophecy and then you do the Bethlehem candle and then do the uh, uh, shepherd's candle, candle. And some people do the hope, the faith, and love. But anyway, uh, but in the prophecy... All the prophecies that are given, all right, just, to, just for one person to fulfill eight of the prophecies. That's 10 to the 17th power. That's 10 with 17 zeros. Now, let me give you a visual, and I gave this to him last week at Reach. You take the state of Texas. Anybody familiar with Texas, how big it is? You know, they brag about how big Texas is, okay? So you take the state of Texas and you take silver dollars. You don't see many of them anymore, but my grandmother, uh, they, they were raised with silver dollars and she gave us all silver dollars before she died. But anyway, you take silver dollars and you cover, you know, listen, you cover the state of Texas two foot deep with silver dollars. You mark one. You mark one silver dollar. It makes it all up. Put it out there in the midst of all two foot deep across the whole state of Texas. And blindfold a person to go out, go anywhere they want to, state of Texas, and find that one marked silver dollar. That would be the odds of one person to fulfill just Eight of the prophecies. I didn't come up with that. It, like I said, this, this college, uh, Westmont, I think it is, and, and uh, the professor, he, he challenged the, you know, the students. So I think it was 600 students. And this is what they, this is a mathematical uh, conclusion that they came up with. Just for one person to do that. And Jesus did it all. Today we're going to be talking about another reason why he came. We'll be in John's Gospel, chapter 17, and we'll stay in John for a little bit, and then we'll go to Colossians. But John 17, this is the actual Lord's Prayer, okay? Uh, a lot of people, and I was raised that, and by the way, we I was raised on King James uh, Bible. Uh, we did have red letter. <laughs> And uh, I never got used to, you know, talking like Shakespeare. I, I don't know how many of y'all studied Shakespeare in school, but I, I remember when we read Shakespeare, the actual Shakespeare, I couldn't read. <laughs> and if you've ever looked at the original King James Bible, you'd have a hard time with it. I, not, I'm not putting this down. Please understand that. I was raised on it, okay? Matter of fact, when I say the Lord's Prayer, I'm still using these and thou's, okay? I do. And I know some of y'all got New English translations, and, uh, you know, that's, that's fine. Whatever helps you to be able to study, okay? I've got probably four or five Bibles I study out of, uh, different translations, okay? But this is the actual prayer that Jesus prayed before he was crucified, okay? Uh, Matthew 6 has got, as far out, yeah, Matthew 6 has, has got what we grew up understanding that Lord's Prayer, you know, our Father which art in heaven. 
but this is the that was his model prayer. This is a, his actual prayer. But in his prayer, I want you to see about what Jesus said. And he said he came to do this. And if you're taking notes, and this, like I said, this is very important to, uh, to me, and it may be to you as well. He came to show us the Father. Out of all the terms that God is called, the you know, names he's called, and Old Testament, I remember when I used to do children's church, Roberta, I, I would teach them the names of God. I said, I'm going to teach you, uh, you know, names of God that a lot of these kids don't even know. I mean, well, a lot of kids don't know and a lot of adults don't know. But, you know, El Shaddai and, and uh, you know, God who provides, uh, you know, El Shalom. I mean, you know, as far as the God of peace. I mean, we go on and on and on. But Old Testament gives us so many names for God. But to me personally, the one that stands out more than any is when he taught the disciples to call God Father. This is huge. I mean, these guys, man, when, when they came up and, and he started saying, you know, here's how you pray. Our Father. So, wait a minute. Calling God Father? Do you understand how personal that is? I mean, Jesus knew full well what he was doing. He came to show us who God is. Who God is. And in John 17, look at this prayer here. And I want to just pick out a few verses here, but in John 17, and, and let's look at verse 5. He says in 6, he says, And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Do y'all understand that? When Jesus was born, <laughs> you know, we, we've been singing about, and uh, as far as we had a nativity scene here on, on the screen just a minute ago, you know, how Jesus was born. That was not his beginning. It was not. Jesus has existed for before time. Okay? And so listen, this, who's doing the praying here? Please understand something. This isn't commentators. <laughs> this is Jesus. This is, listen to what he is saying. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had when? With you before the world was. I have manifested. Look at verse 6. I have manifested. I have revealed. I have made known. Look at this. I have shown your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. He is showing them the father. Let's jump down to verse 25 and 26. Same chapter. O righteous father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you have sent me. And I have declared to them your name. And I will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. Flip over to the first part of John. And Austin, sorry, I, I didn't put that on there. But look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And please... Follow with me in in your Bibles or your phone, whatever, how you've got the Bible, because 
I don't want you to take my word for this. <laughs> I was in a church many years ago, and I was we was invited. Bonnie and I used to sing a lot, and uh, we were there. And, and I mean, I grew up carrying my Bible to church. I did, and so uh, we were in the church, and we'd sing, and then you know the preacher got up to preach, and he opened his Bible up. But that he quoted scripture. And I'm sitting there looking at the verse and when he just quoted, I said, he just misquoted that. I mean, nobody else in there had a Bible but me and the preacher. They weren't taught. But please, don't just take my word for it. I want you to see this. I want the Lord to speak to your heart out of his word because, listen, there's power in his word, okay? And so he said here in John chapter 1, in the beginning, beginning for all time, okay? In the beginning was the Word, capital W here, Jerry. I don't know if yours has got it. <clears throat> in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, what does it say? Was God, Okay. He was in the beginning with God. Now, who is he talking about here? Who is this capital W-O-R-D? That is Jesus. Okay, this is what John is saying. Now, uh, I won't read all this, but come down to verse 14, okay? And the word became what? All right, we sang about Emmanuel just a minute ago. Anybody know the interpretation of Emmanuel? That's in Matthew chapter 1 and also in Isaiah and chapter 7 when the virgin behold a virgin will be with child and she will call his name what Emmanuel which means God with us and the word became flesh and dwelt tabernacled that's the same word used in the Old Testament tabernacled to dwell with us to live with us okay and we beheld his glory the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so you come on down, and uh, he says this. He says, for the law, verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Listen to me. The law doesn't teach uh, so much about grace and truth, even though the law is the truth. But what God has done through Christ is to teach us the truth. And that's going to be part of next week's message about he came to show us the truth. But here is brought grace and truth. But listen to verse 18. Mark this verse here. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. He has made him Known. Flip over to Colossians. I'm building a case here, by the way, for anyone who has an argument about who this Jesus is. Colossians in chapter 1, and we're going to be in chapter 2 as well. Look at verse 15. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15. He says, and Paul here is writing, and he is Jesus, okay? So I'm going to insert Jesus here. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn. And I don't mean as far as being 
uh, fleshly burn, uh, born, what that means is, is in position. His, his position is first. Okay? Firstborn, the new creation. He, he's not created, but what he mean, his meaning here is, he's in position as far as his first in line. He says, over all creation. He says, for by him, by Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And by all things and in him, all things, before all things and in him, all things consist. In other words, they're held together. You ever fi- try to figure out how, how all the universe is held together? Here it is right here. Paul tells you. is how it is. How it's held together. And he says, listen, in verse 19, he says, For it pleased the Father that in Christ, in Jesus, all the fullness of God should dwell. He is the fullness of the Godhead. Okay? If you want to see God, who do we look at? Jesus. He has shown us who he is. Now, uh, just a little side note here when verse 15, where he says that he is the image. Hebrews says that he is the exact image. Okay? The exact image. In the Greek, you might want to make a note here. It's okay to write in your Bible, by the way. (laughs) Make a note here on image. Uh, On your phone... Let me get my phone out here. I think somebody was buzzing me. But anyway, all right. So, anybody know what all these little things are right here? On the phone. They're called icons. This is the Greek word here. Image. Okay? So, if I were, let's just take Facebook. So if I click on Facebook, and I don't know if it pull up here yet. Uh, all right, so that's for Temple First Baptist playing right now So <laughs> in Temple, Georgia. But anyway, <clears throat> so if I click on Facebook, the icon, uh, that image comes up, okay? Facebook comes up. Same way with all these images on here. All right, so let me just put this in today's perspective. If you clicked on Jesus, <clears throat> what image would come up? According to Paul here. Exactly. Let me give you a sobering thought thought for a minute. If I was to click on you, what image would come up? If you're a child of God, what should come up? What are people looking at? Who are they seeing? Who are they hearing? If we're followers of Christ, what image should we portray? Who is living in us? Just a note. Chapter 2 of Colossians. Let's let's look at uh, verse 9 and 10. For in Christ... Dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily in the flesh. Okay? So we're seeing that Jesus, when he comes, he is showing us who? God. We've looked at John. We've looked at Paul. 
He says, listen to this, and, and you are complete in Christ, who is the head and the principality of power. You are brought together, put together, and made complete and whole, like a missing piece of the puzzle is gone in everybody's life until you have Christ. And then that missing piece comes together and now you're in the fullness of God and walking with him. That's God's plan. Why were you created? To have fellowship, to have, listen, a relationship with Almighty God, the God of this universe. That's why he came. Because that relationship was broken by sin. And he brought, came to do what? To reconcile us back to God. That's the purpose. That's the plan. Go back to John's Gospel, chapter 14. And then I'm going to start putting some puzzles together here. <clears throat> I've used this passage of Scripture many times at funerals. And Jesus starts out. Remember, this is the upper room discourse. Okay. The upper room discourse. This is where Jesus' final meal, the Passover meal with the disciples, okay? And he comes in and says, you know, he's telling them that I'm, I'm fixing to be crucified. You know, he's been telling them all along, I'll be crucified, I'll be buried. Third day, I'll rise. And now it's coming down to, you know, the final hours. And he said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then he talks about his father's house. He's going to prepare a place for us and them and you and me. And then he said, where I am, there you'll be also. And the way you know, he said, he said, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. And then Thomas, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> Thomas said to him, Lord, we, don't, we really don't know the way. And, you know, where you're going and, and how can we know the way? And then Jesus, this is a pivotal verse right here. This is a controversial verse. There are a lot of denominations. There are a lot of false prophets. There are a lot of people who even not even in the realm of religion who wants to come up and say this is a most narrow minded, bigoted verse in the Bible. Listen to what Jesus says. Remember the question. Lord, we do not know where you're going and we don't know how we can know the way. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am. And it's emphatic here. You might want to write that in your margin. It's emphatic. In other words, what he is saying is, please hear this. It's very, this is vital. I am the only way. The only truth. The only Life. Listen to what he says. No one. I don't care what religion. I don't care what social status you are. Nobody is coming to the Father except how? Through Christ. Alone. No other way. This separates us from every single religion philosophy, and anything else. Keep reading. If you have known me, verse 7, <clears throat> Jesus says, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him <clears throat> and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, 
show us the Father. <laughs> I bet there was a smile on Jesus' face when he said this. He said, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? When we look at Jesus, he shows us who the Father is. Ask you some questions here. Without Jesus, would you have ever have known love? I'm going to tell you something. This is something I've struggled with all, you know, most of my life. How to love. You know, we got this concept here. As far as, you know, in this world view about what love's all about. I mean, you can watch movies. They say, well, this is what love is. And you can read books and poems. Well, this is what love is. I'm kind of like Solomon <clears throat> when he was trying to figure out things. In Ecclesiastes, what is love? And I came to the conclusion, I stink at it. Seriously. Because that's what happened. I mean, all these years of study and all these years that I have tried to get close and walk with God. The closer I get, the more I realize... I stink at it. And here's part of my prayer for me. Lord, teach me how to love like you. Because see, if you go back to the Ten Commandments and the cross, when you love God, and remember, Jesus is the one who says this now. He said, listen, all the law and all the prophets is hinged on this one thing. To love God and love your neighbor as yourself. <clears throat> and I've come to conclusion. I stink at it. I do. And the only way I can love you and the only way I can love anybody else or even love God is if his heart is my heart. It can't be any other way. And I'm going to tell you, whether you want to admit it or not, you probably stink at it too. And here's what happened. I mean, since I've been praying this and, and since I've been trying to get close to this Father, this image that Christ is trying to you know, show us and reveal to us. And see, it, it wasn't just for the disciples. It's for me and you as well. For all of us. I can't love you until I have the love of the Father in me. Listen to Jesus' prayer. Lord, that they would know this love. The love that you have for me and I have for you. That there would be in them too. I 
I'm going to tell you, I didn't know I loved my wife until I met Jesus. I didn't know I loved my children until I met Jesus. I didn't even know how to love myself until I met Jesus. He came to show us the Father and the love of the Father. And from that hinges everything else. Everything. You want to see the problems of our world dissipate? You know what I do it? You know what the cure will be? Hey, the love of the Father in me and you, then we'll love each other the way we're supposed to. Then you'll have peace on earth. It ain't going to happen until we know the love of the Father. I don't know how your father was. My dad was in the military. When he got out, he was in World War II, went to the Philippines. He, went to, he was in Korean conflict. He didn't go to Korea, but uh, they had him on special tank duty up in, uh, I think it was Wisconsin. He said he'd never seen so much snow in his life. <laughs> and I went to work for the Army. So most of my life, I grew up with a sergeant. I don't know how many of y'all can relate to that, but I'm going to tell you, me and my brother, we towed the line. I mean, our beds were made, our rooms clean. I mean, we did everything by the book, pretty much. My sister got, <laughs> oh, man, it's the only time I got to hear my daddy sing because he used to call, you are my sunshine. My I'm saying, Lord help. <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, you talk about jealousy. <laughs> But still, my dad, he didn't know how to love. You know why? He had an alcoholic father. There were six of them. He could have been a NASCAR mechanic. That's how good he was. In East Point, Georgia, they had Haney's Garage. He would come home drunk. He'd take a loaded thirty-eight pistol. Line all the kids up. Pull the hammer back. Point it at their heads and go down the line. Which of you is going to die tonight? My grandmama said that she was cooking supper and he came home drunk one night and he took a butcher knife and threw it and it stuck up beside her head. She took it out and she got so mad and she took the butt end of it and hit him in the nose with it made him bleed. Thought he was going to cut his throat. He died in his 50s with a vodka bottle in his hand. Daddy said he tried to throw up his liver. Daddy didn't know what love was. I didn't hear my daddy much say he loved anybody. I want you to hear something, please. I know we've got fathers and grandfathers here. And Tanner, you fixing to be a, another new daddy. We don't compare earthly fathers. As far as the Heavenly Father. In other words, we don't line up and say, well, God is like this earthly father. We've had it backwards a long time. 
Here's what needs to happen. Fathers, grandfathers, we need to line us up with the Heavenly Father, who He is. This is the natural aspect of who God is. He is Father. He can't help it. <laughs> That's who He is. If I want to be a good father, I need to look at the, the Heavenly Father. I do. I need to look at this Father who t teaches me how to love but that's not all. Listen to me. Man, he teaches you grace. He, he teaches you how to, the purpose of life. Why am I here? I mean, what did Jesus come to do? He came to show us the Father. He came to show us what life's all about. Listen, when I get connected to the Father, I get connected to life. All of my purpose, all of my plan, everything that, that is about Mark Haney, listen, it will line up when I line up with him. And this is what Jesus came to do. Show us the Father. I want to conclude with this. Let's go to Luke. Chapter 15. To me, this probably shows the Father better than any other passage that Jesus talked about. Anybody ever had a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter? Any of you ever been a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter? I thank God I just uh, was just prodigal in just maybe a few years of my life. <laughs> Here the passage is talking about uh, lost things. You've got a lost sheep. And by the way, the shepherd's candle, you got a hundred sheep, one goes astray. What does the shepherd do? The good shepherd, he goes to look. And when he finds that sheep, man, he puts it on his shoulders, comes in, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. Then you had the woman who had the lost coin, and they probably her dowry. And so she searches the house, trying to find that coin that meant so much to her. And she finds it and rejoices. Then you come to the lost son. And you can insert daughter here. Because it's for anyone who thinks that there's something greater. <laughs> Down the road, I remember... As Calvary, <clears throat> he raised sheep. And he said, sheep are dumb. <laughs> I always thought about that analogy in the Bible about us being sheep. All of us have gone astray. <clears throat> and so he says, I went out there to pasture. There's a sheep. It has strangled itself in the fence. It was trying to eat green grass on the other side. And below its feet is green grass. On this side of the fence. And somebody said, well, hey, I'm, I've got to leave because, hey, there's greener pastures. And what they don't know is that greener pasture is probably over a septic tank. You don't know what a septic tank is. 
Okay. Just asking. If you don't see me afterwards, I'll explain it. We're very familiar with them in the South, especially when they leak. Now, this prodigal, he said, Dad, and by the way, you know, I've, I've taught this and preached on this I don't know how many times. <clears throat> There's something that God showed me years and years ago. <clears throat> he said, then a certain man in verse 11, in chapter 15 of Luke, he said, and Jesus is telling the parables here. Certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of my goods that falls on me. And, and look at this next phrase. So the father divided to who? Them. It wasn't just the younger. It was the older too. Think about that. I mean, at the end of this passage, the older's griping. <laughs> he is. But man, this father, listen to me, he was fair. He was just. He did what was right. And by the way, do you know who this father is? Jesus is telling the story about God the Father. This is God the Father. I mean, this guy went out. I mean, blew everything. Everything he had. He blew it. The older son made mention of it, man. He kept up. Him, man, he went out. I mean, he spent it on everything that a young Jewish boy would have never have done if he was right with his father. Here's what I want you to see. A couple of things, church. Please hear this. If the father had been the oldest son... That boy would never get home. Read the story. He never let him in the house. Thank God we got a father. No respectable Jewish father would have ever been caught running. But when that boy came home and the father was looking, he was watching for him. Because I guarantee you, prayers and intercessions went out for that boy. How many of y'all are praying and interceding for your children and your grandchildren that they would come home and they would learn the love of the father? Don't be the older brother. Because this father, he didn't wait for that boy to come down the path. He ran. This is God the Father, listen to me, who is running after you and me. How much are you worth? Look to the cross. 
Because when he was nailed on that cross, listen to me, it wasn't just the son that was nailed there. It was the father as well. You go back to Old Testament when Abraham, God told him, he said, take your only son Isaac, the son of promise, listen to me. And you take him up on that mountain, I'll show you. And let me tell you this, that that mountain, I guarantee you, was the same mountain Jesus was crucified on. Because it was a picture in Old Testament of the gospel and how God sent his only son. And Abraham was instructed to take that only son that you love. That you love. And I guarantee you there's not a father in here who does not love your children and your grandchildren enough that said, Lord, take me, not them. Let me die in their place. I have done that. And here's what the father told me. He said, Mark, you can't take their place. But I can. And I did. And that's picture of God the Father's love for you and me. Who else could have done that? Only God. There's not another. Only God. It's not about religion. It's not about how smart you are. It's not about your status as far as who you are in the community or who you are in society or where you're at as far as in your workplace or in wherever you're at educationally. Listen to me. All those things are important, but please hear this. When it comes down to that graveside and I'm doing a funeral, listen to me. The only thing that matters do you know the love the Father had for you? And did you accept it? As yours. Nothing and nobody can ever give that to you except God the Father through His Son Jesus. It's an invitation that's ongoing until the final call on this earth and planet he will still be given the invitation as a father who is standing there with his outstretched arm running to you and saying come 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 home I've been waiting for you I've been praying for you I want you to know the best for your life but I give you a choice Either accept it or reject it. And this determines your destiny in eternity. Whether or not you'll spend eternity with the Father or separated from Him forever. Oh, that I could make you choose. Because, see, here's my prayer. God, give me your heart. That's a dangerous prayer. Because here's what happens. He'll give it to you. But let me tell you, the downside of it. It breaks. 
I can't tell you how many times I've stood in congregations and God the Father is pleading and it's like I can visualize him standing there and he's pleading and he's asking and he's saying, listen, come, please come. I have done everything possible for you to know my love for you. And to walk out a door of a church where you have heard the truth and you have felt the heart of God and say no thank you. My heart breaks with his. The other night I was and what happens is a lot of times I'll be studying and all of a sudden a, a song comes up and I think about uh, <clears throat> some of these old songs, Tanner, that, uh, you know, there are thousands of hymns. <laughs> and I guarantee you, some of them I've never sung before, never heard before. And Tanner's been teaching me some new ones. And, but, I, you know, I think about all these and, and every now and then want a trigger in my brain. And so I'll YouTube it. And, and just just to hear it again because I hadn't heard it probably 20, 30 years, you know, and just, just to, to remember it. So one came up the other day and I YouTubed it and I think it, her, her last name is O'Hare. She sings for the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. If you've ever watched this choir, it's massive. And my heart breaks. Because they're so deceived. Here they are singing about the love of God. And even Christ, but yet far from it. Before we point fingers, how many walk into church every single Sunday, hear the gospel, the plea of a father to come home, to know him, to know his love, and walk out a back door and say no. I want to ask Tanner to come and play a song. <clears throat> the invitation still stands. God the Father is speaking because he demonstrated his own love towards you. That even while you were a sinner, he died for you so that you could have life and have it more abundant. No one else can do that for you. Nobody. I can't save you. Your mom and your daddy can't save you. Your brother and sister can't save you. Your job, your government. I mean, we just go down the list. There's no one on the planet who can ever give you the love of God other than through Christ. And he's asking you right now.
to receive Him as your Lord and Savior. Would you do that? And answer the call of God on your life as you stand. Mom, Dad, he may have a son or a daughter or a grandchild you need to pray for.